true leadership models the behavior that they want to see in those that they're leading. That's a good and if you're idea. failing in that area, you're failing to be accountable to those that you're leading. From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Josh Spike along with you. And today, man, I'm super excited. We've got a great guest today that we're going to introduce in just a little bit. We're going to talk all about how to be a better leader, whether yes. that's in business or in life. But first, we would love it if you would take a minute and subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcasts. If you're not already subscribed and leave a review along with a comment just to let us know how we're doing. This week's featured review comes from, I believe it's Dan Ilds, 112 via Apple podcast. He says the benchmark for client development is the title of the review. Five stars. Luke and Josh have been essential to my understanding and best practices of building a really strong relationship with my clients. I have increased my activity and I have seen at least a three X in revenue due to many of the improvements I've made over the past year. Thank you guys. That's, that's one of the best reviews. That is awesome. We've had some amazing reviews. That's probably my favorite because of he implemented that three X. Yeah. <laughs> he implemented the growth. the thought leadership and you know now three X is business. That's, That's what, what it's, it's all about. about. That's why we started this podcast. If people don't know, like one of the reasons we started this podcast and what we wanted to separate in this podcast as best we can is try to get tactical. Like try to like everybody hears principles. In theory. Yeah, yeah, in theory, but try to get to like what's a hack? Like what's something you could literally implement tomorrow? and start changing the game in your life and your business. So really, Absolutely. really love hearing that testimonial. Well, speaking of changing your life and changing your game, our guest today, he's got quite the uh, rap sheet here. His name is John Terry. He's a two-time martial arts hall of famer. So I think so that's don't the make first him mad. martial arts, <laughs> arts hall of fame inductee that we've ever had on the podcast. He's done it twice. He's a certified speaker, trainer, and coach. He also serves as an executive director with the John Maxwell team. Taking what he's learned over years of study in the martial arts and applying that to leadership, John believes anyone who wants to be a leader can become a black belt leader in life by cultivating what he calls black belt character traits. John, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks guys. Pleasure to be here. John, man, it's awesome to have you. I would love for you to take a uh, just few minutes, introduce yourself to the audience for those who maybe have never you know, heard of you or your story and kind of share how you got on this journey of becoming a leadership expert and getting in the Hall of Fame of martial arts and all that's involved there. And then we'll dive into your book, Black Belt Leadership. Very good. Well, guys, thank you first off for the invitation and it's a pleasure to be with you and looking forward to really sharing my story for just a few minutes. Uh, As as you introduced me, my name is John Terry. I'm known as the Black Belt Leader. Now, now where did that come from? Uh, We've got to jump back a few years ago. Uh, Matter of fact, several years ago, the joke around my house is I'm I'm the child that never grew up. And uh, I tell everybody when they ask how old I am, I'm 29 and holding. (laughs) I just not too long ago (laughs) celebrated the 30th anniversary of my 29th birthday because I refuse to get old, but uh, I want to get better, not older. But we've got to go back a few years when I was about, (laughs) I was about 13 years of age and my parents moved from Fort Smith, Arkansas, big city, to a small town of Russellville, Arkansas. And I thought as a 13-year-old kid, I was going to go from being the big city nobody to the small town somebody. And sure enough, I became the somebody. I became the target of every bully in school. 
So after a few weeks of coming home, beaten up and disheveled and just really frustrated and wanted to go back to Fort Smith to be a nobody, my dad says, I've got a solution. Well, I thought that solution was going to be, he was going to go talk to the principal and the bullying was going to stop. Well, dad drives me downtown and walks me into the door of a karate school. I think, man, this is great. I'm going to get to be Bruce Lee. And I look around and there's no kids in the school. All of these are big grown adults and it's just me. And dad throws me into this school. And the only saving grace for me, I thought, was this beautiful 23-year-old that was working in the school and was learning to be a martial artist herself. And she became my training partner because everybody else was much bigger than I was as a 13-year-old. And she was just about my size. And I thought, man, this is great. I've got the prettiest girl. In well, she's the only girl, but she was a beautiful girl. But I didn't know she could come out of a very bad relationship. And she was going through the martial arts to learn to defend herself. So the standing joke around my house was I was getting paid up, you know, beat up at school and my dad was paying money for me to get beat up by a girl in martial <laughs> arts classes three nights a week. But from that, I learned to defend myself. I learned to walk in a different way that the bullies at some point realized he's not worth messing with anymore. But another lesson I learned while I was there and I discovered in the martial arts is the fact that there is a significant amount of leadership principles that are taught in martial arts schools all over the country. Such things as self-discipline, self-control, respect, honor, integrity, character. And those values, my instructors began to pour into my life. And now five black belts later and having an opportunity to have been inducted into two martial arts hall of fame and looking back at the lessons that I learned I realized that I learned a lot about self-defense and, and I can defend myself. I learned a lot about competing and having an opportunity to compete. And I held fighting titles in four states for four years. Uh, so I've learned that. But the most important lessons that I took away from this martial arts journey was learning to lead myself well, hmm. learning to make good choices and understanding that all of the choices that I make have consequences in my life. And if I can learn to lead myself well, and to make good choices, I have the opportunity for a much better outcome in life. And so that's really become my mission is to help people realize that they may have never taken a martial arts lesson in their life. And as a matter of fact, only 2% of everybody in the United States will ever take a martial arts class. And out of that, only a handful of those get to black belt. But anybody can learn those leadership principles and begin to apply those in their lives and have an opportunity to make a difference in themselves and others. Man, that's awesome. What a great lesson there in terms of like the expectations of the problem just being solved for you by your dad versus him kind of putting that power and empowering you to kind of change the way that you carried yourself and, and then the problems go away. So love that. So let's kind of dig into black belt leadership. You know, you have it kind of laid out in terms of maybe just go over the bullet points of what are the steps to get to that black belt. Everyone kind of knows the, the idea of belts in martial arts, right? You start with white belt, you go through the different colors, you get to black belt. What does that look like in terms of this leadership analogy? You know, that's a great question. And, and when we look at what I teach through black belt leadership and looking at the principles that are there, I wanted to develop a guide so that anyone that wanted to take themselves on a journey of self-discovery of what it means to discover the leader within them and to develop that leader and then ultimately deploy it to make a difference in the world, there's a series of steps along the way. And so I have each character trait that you should learn as a leader tied to a different colored belt. So essentially to earn your black belt in leadership, you're walking through these character qualities. And I'll cover those real quickly. 
The first is B. We take the, uh, the word black belt and we create an acrostic from that. So B is believe. First off, you have to believe that there is a leader inside of you waiting to be discovered, to develop, and to be deployed. Mm. The L is learning because you have to learn what it means to lead yourself, to change the way you think so that you begin to think like a leader. And there's a process to do that. Third is accountability. If you're going to be a leader, you're going to be accountable to yourself, but you're also going to be accountable to those that you are ultimately leading. Because if you're not being responsible and accountable to those that you're leading, you may be leading them in the wrong direction. Or or as my mentor, John Maxwell says, you may think you're leading, but if nobody's following, you're only taking a walk. And so being accountable is a big deal, you know, but then there's communication. A leader has to be able not just to communicate, but to effectively communicate, essentially connecting with people so that as they are empowering people to lead themselves, that communication is very clear and very concise. The next step in the process is K, which is kinetic. A leader has to be a person of action. You can't be passive and be a leader. Leaders have to be active in the way that they live their lives and in pouring into the lives of other people to make a difference in what they do. Mm. The next B is boldness. A leader has to be bold. They have to be willing to step out because leaders go first. They are out in front and they have to be willing to go chart new territory. And it kind of like that explorer. If you think of the old Indiana Jones movies that many of us grew up watching, he was the guy that went into the jungle and blazed the trail for others to follow. Leaders are the very same way. They have to be those trailblazers that chart the path so that others can see more comfortably how to follow along behind them. And then there's the E of equipping. Not only does a leader have to learn, they have to equip those that are following so that they can learn to lead. You know, in Simon Sinek's book, Leaders Eat Last, he talks about leaders that want to keep all the power and control to themselves. And when people look back at the good old days of the Jack Welch days of GE or some other company you may look at, if the leader hadn't properly empowered and equipped other people to continue the legacy, it's not a legacy that you're looking at. It's nostalgia looking backwards. And so equipping people, ultimately the role of a leader is to replace yourself. And so that you are equipping and empowering other people to continue what you've started, but to do it better, faster, and stronger when you're no longer there. And the sign of a good organization is one that takes the foundations of its, of its origins and grows and expands upon that. And we see that in the martial arts perpetuating through to today. The letter L is loyalty. And there has to be a sense of loyalty and integrity that's there, that you are loyal to values and principles and beliefs that become those core non-negotiables in your life. And you instill those in yourself, you live those out in your daily life, and you empower your team to embrace that same loyalty to the cause, to the passion of whatever it is that you pursue. And then lastly, there's transformation. When you take all the other steps in the process, you begin to transform your thinking, begin to transform your speaking, and you begin to transform your acting. And when you do all of that in those nine character steps, it leads you to the 10th point, which you don't see in black belt, but it's the ultimate goal of getting to black belt. And it's the concept of Mushin. And the martial arts Mushin is a concept that means no mind. It means that you don't have to have conscious thoughts because you have trained your body in such a way that it instinctively reacts without having to think. It becomes who you are. And that's essentially Black Belt Leadership 101 in a short, concise nutshell. That is awesome. I love Mushin, man. Yeah, no, I think... What a great... 
I think what you're touching on there, like you see it play out, like I'm a musician and I, I used to teach kids guitar and stuff like that. And one of the things about performing on stage is you have to practice so much because when you get up on stage, you're going to be nervous and you have to make sure you've practiced enough that your muscle memory literally takes over. I can't tell you how many times where I'm playing a song or doing something and it's like, my muscle memory has taken over because my brain is freaking out and is in another place. I love that concept when it comes to leadership. I have to ask you with this whole analogy of the black belt leader, is there one that you have found to be more essential than another? Are they equally weighted? What is your experience there as you're, you're training people to become a leader? Is it in succession? Like you're not going to be bold before you become you know, a great communicator? How does that process work? You know, it's different for different people, Luke, because we all have our own unique skill sets and we all have our own unique strengths in the way that we've gone through life and we've experienced life. Some people are, are, are I won't say naturally gifted communicators, but they have, as my mom called it, the gift of gab. And they have the ability to talk, but we can learn. And one of the things that we do with Black Belt Leadership as I teach it is I start with an assessment of trying to evaluate where someone is understanding what their strengths are, understanding the areas that they need to work on. But to really be a black belt leader, you can't wait one character trait over another. They all have to be exhibited and lived out in your life. Otherwise, you're missing a core element. It's like trying to play guitar and, the, and one of the strings is missing from the guitar. Hmm. You can't do everything you want to do if one of the strings is not on the instrument itself. I love this. You know, I was going to go a different route on this interview because I've obviously had the privilege of your book and everything beforehand. And I wanted to talk about communication because I thought that would be good. But I think it'd be interesting to go down the road of where we think we're weakest in leadership. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on the, that, you know, kind of acrostic of like, for me, I've struggled in my career as a leader here at Reminder Media. You know, we have 220 employees and we're growing and we're constantly changing and evolving. I've struggled between the balance of being, I'm in a, I believe a really effective communicator and inspirer of people. But when it comes to the accountability portion, I tend to trust too much, whether it's, you know, in the not inspecting the details, what's your advice? Like, how can I get better at accountability in leadership and what you see? You know, that's a great question in and of itself. And, and one of the thoughts that I had as you were asking that question was a, a question that John Maxwell asked Mark Cole, who is now running all of John's companies. And early on, Mark was asked the question by John, do you want to be loved or do you want to be a leader? And one of the issues of accountability comes in the fact that we are social animals and we want to connect with people. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We want to give them oftentimes the benefit of the doubt over and over again. <laughs> but as a leader, we have to be accountable for results. And if you're running an organization, your people are important and they are extremely valuable. But holding people accountable is ultimately a reminder of the audience that you serve. And if you're not being accountable, to holding those people to the task that they are assigned to do, at the end of the day, who are you harming? You're harming the end user customer that they are not getting the excellent experience that they could have the opportunity to realize as a result of engaging with you guys' business. And so one of the things when I'm working with an organization or I'm working with a leader and I'm doing coaching or training with them is we go down the path of excellence. And what does excellent looks like? 
And if you want to make sure that your end user product is excellent and that your staff is focused on delivering and adding value and over, you know, under promising and over delivering, there has to be accountability there so that if they miss the mark, they realize they've missed the mark. That doesn't mean you've got to beat them over the head with a stick, but it does mean that you've got to hold them accountable and let them know that your, your expectations are higher because you want to continually grow and improve what it is that you do. I love that. Talk, talk about um, being accountable to those you lead. You mentioned that as well. What are some examples or how do you, how do you be accountable to those that you're leading? You know, to be accountable to those that you're leading is you're saying and you're doing have to be congruent. And one of the areas that I often see as I'm working and I'm called in to go visit with a company or an organization is I see a leader that is, is very top centered and the leader gives instructions and says, this is what I expect you to do. And then as they watch the leader, the leader's lifestyle and his mannerisms and the way he operates in the business are completely different. The leader expects his people to clock in at eight o'clock, to clock out at 12 for lunch, to clock back in at one and to clock out promptly at five but he doesn't show up till 8.45, 9 o'clock. He strolls around, he drinks coffee, he does not engage in performing the things that he expects of others. Mm. True leadership models the behavior that they want to see in those that they're leading. That's a good if you're nugget. failing in that area, you're failing to be accountable to those that you're leading. Yeah, that's such a golden nugget. It's so much like you learn so much more through example than you do through people telling you. At least I do. That's right. <laughs> At least I do. Yeah. yeah, I think, well, I think you're touching on something that is, is really, really difficult. It's the balance between caring about people and caring is the wrong way to frame it, but caring about people and achieving the goal. And I think the excuse as I've, I've reflected on myself, right. And I think other people can fall into this trap. That's why I'm sharing it is the excuse is you end up making an excuse for you not wanting to hold people accountable acting like you're caring about them. When in truth, what you just said is you're not caring about them. You're actually failing them as the leader. If you're not coming down on them because you're failing, the mission will not be achieved. The taking care of the clients or whatever you're trying to achieve from a business standpoint or an organization standpoint. But I see that like, it's very easy to use caring or giving people the benefit of the doubt as an excuse for actually your weakness in achieving the mission. And actually that's going to help them long in the long run. Yeah. One of my mentors, Chris Robinson makes a statement that is very powerful. That really speaks to that Luke. And he says this, he says, it's not a matter of that. We can't, it's a matter of that. We won't. And that choice is ours. And oftentimes we make an excuse and that's the reason why we say we can't, but in reality, it's our unwillingness to do that, which is uncomfortable. And Carly Fiorina uh, wrote an amazing book called Find Your Way. And I was with Carly about a year ago at a conference. And she made a very powerful statement that really resonated with me. And I share it often. And she says this. She says, the status quo has great power. But leaders challenge the status quo to change things for the better. We are all creatures of habit. Mm. And it's very easy for an organization to get caught in the trappings of their early success and that becomes acceptable and that becomes the status quo. But the job of a leader is to constantly challenge that status quo so that you are constantly upping and improving your game mm. to become better at who you are so that you become better at what you do. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I, I heard Tony Robbins talk one time about meeting Michael Jordan 
And he was, I don't know if it was coaching session or whatever, but he was talking about Michael Jordan and what made you who you are. And Michael Jordan reflected on his high school back basketball coach, basically telling him that he didn't make the team and Hey, you're not going to make the team. And Michael Jordan's response was one of, I'm the most talented player on this team. What are you talking about? I don't make the team. He goes, yeah, you, you might be the most talented person on the team, but you're the least dedicated and you lack like a bunch of different things, heart and all this stuff. And he goes, if you show up every day, and I forget the exact time, but it was like 5 a.m. early in the morning, every day to practice, the next, next year I'll guarantee you a spot on the team. And Michael Jordan showed up every single day. And he shared this with Tony Robbins. But what was so impactful about that story to me was Michael Jordan didn't talk about the fans that shared him on. He didn't, he didn't refer to one of the most impactful things in his life was the person who was like, Michael, you're so great. You're doing amazing. The encourager, right? He referred to the person who was hard on him that challenged him. That's who made the biggest impact. And so what I constantly try to reflect for myself as a leader is, yeah, I might be a great encourager and inspirer of people, but I want to also be remembered as a, as a person who challenges people. And maybe they don't like me during the time, they respect you during the time, but they look back and they go, I'm so thankful that this person was hard on me and did that to me because it really shifted me and it caused change. And I, I think that's a really, really hard thing for, for leaders to do. Very, very hard to execute on. We know how important it is to regularly post on your social media account, but we also understand that sometimes developing that content is a lot easier said than done. We want to help you out with our free motivational quote kit. We've collected positive quotes from people like Amelia Earhart and Florence Nightingale and designed them to capture your audience's attention. Easy to upload, easy for others to share, save, and print, and your site visitors will thank you for the encouragement. Go to ReminderMedia.com slash quote kit to download and start sharing these beautifully designed words of wisdom today. That's ReminderMedia.com slash quote kit. Take action on this today. I was going to say, I think of, as you're talking about that, I think of the story of the McDonald's franchise, the McDonald's brothers that had an amazing restaurant. They'd come up with this very innovative way to turn fast food quickly, but they struggled to franchise it. Along comes a milk, milkshake salesman by the name of Ray Kroc. He says, if you'll let me take what you're doing and hold you accountable and others accountable through franchising, I can make you the biggest name in the world. And we travel the world today. And no matter where I've traveled around the world, I can find a McDonald's. But Ray made a statement that's very powerful along those lines. He said, as long as you're green, you're growing. But once you're ripe, you start to rot. Hmm. And one of the most important things leaders can do if they want to be accountable to themselves and to their team is to be constantly growing, constantly striving every day to become better than they were the day before. Because the day you stop growing as a leader, those that are coming behind you will one day surpass you and they will be leading you. Hmm. So good, man. That's a golden nugget. That's two golden nuggets in one. I want to ask you about, because I, I think one of the things as we're sort of talking about yep. what sort of piqued our interest in the, the, the um, acronym for Black Belt was sort of this idea of learning. And you said like you have to change the way you think, right? Through this process of learning. That's one of the earlier steps. How do you, how do you change the way you think? I mean, we all kind of think the way that we think. How do you actively, we talked about action in the beginning of the podcast. What, what do you, what steps do you take to actually start that change process? 
you know, one of the most important things I'm challenging right now, I'm working with a series of martial arts uh, MMA guys that are going through this personal growth journey themselves. Many of them have never read a book on leadership. They've never read a book since they graduated high school. In fact, most Americans will never pick up and read a single book cover to cover after they graduate high school. But I challenge these young men and I challenge the people that I work with to become a lifelong student of reading because it is through reading and learning from people who are further along the way on the journey that you, than you are, that you begin to see things you can't see before. One of my other coaches, Christian Simpson, reminds me all the time. He says, John, he says, no matter what business it is as you start, he says, your business and the quality of life that it provides for you and your family will never outperform the quality of thinking that you bring to that endeavor. And so his big challenge is to develop myself and to focus my energies on learning to think differently. Now, how do I learn to think differently? By learning the lessons of people that are further along themselves in their journey, reading a John Maxwell, reading a Simon Sinek, reading a Darren Hardy, reading a, you know, you pick the leader that's out there and learning from their experience, reading from successful men that have built Fortune 500 companies, studying and understanding their successes and their failures, because it's an opportunity to see something different. And as we change our thinking, all the opportunities are always before us all the time. The problem is until we've developed ourselves and we've changed our thinking to begin to think like the leader and to see those opportunities, they remain invisible to us. And we miss that million dollar opportunity that could set us up for the rest of our life, could change the world in some way mm. because we get stuck in old patterns of thinking. We don't read, we don't study, we don't ask questions, we don't learn, we don't hire a coach or a mentor to speak into our lives, to stretch who we are and what we do. And as a result of that, we go through life, allowing life to just give us whatever it wants, rather than us going out and seeking out what we want out of life. Mm, so good. I think uh, such a detriment, um, for myself included, we all battle it, is laziness and pride. Like you, the laziness, like people will watch keeping up with the Kardashians for like an hour, Do two they, hours. Do but they still watch that? Well, I don't know if they still watch it, but it was a very popular show. <laughs> the point is taken. Yeah, the point is taken. <laughs> How many people have binge watched something on Netflix, but they won't spend an hour reading a book? Oh, I'm sitting here thinking the same thing. Like I used to, I used to read so many books on leadership and I've stopped, I've, I've switched over to Audible, like listening to books. And, and I started listening to more mindset books, more like personal development type books. And number one, like, they don't, those types of books don't resonate. They're important. Yeah, they're important, but, but it's the audible, like the audio book does not resonate as much as just sitting down and reading a book. I don't know if you two like kind of agree with that or I, I think you I can absorb get from it. Both. It's better I, than nothing. Yeah. I think you can get some, from both. I don't know if there's a huge, I think it's how you learn would be my personal opinion. Um, audible versus reading. I do know reading wise, it gives you the ability from a focus standpoint, like you can drift really easy with Audible versus, because I have Audible too, but um, versus when you're reading and highlighting and going back and, and all that stuff. But I really think it's all about what you're putting in your mind. And I think the point of like changing your thinking and changing your learning, what I have found is when I'm in a rut, and I've shared this, I think on the podcast before, maybe many times, is I know if something is off in my life, 
I look at the three things, body, mind, and spirit. And I look and I go, if it's off, am I, am I working out? Am I eating healthy? Like I'm on a cleanse and diet right now. Cause there was all, it was off in my life. Right. And then I look at my body and I, or my mind and I go, what am I feeding my mind? Am I feeding my mind Tiger King? Am I feeding my mind some Netflix show? Or am I reading something? Am I listening to Audible? Am I listening to YouTube? Am I listening to a podcast like this and feeding my mind? Because what happens is it's the bank account and we all deposit in our bank account every single day. And when you need that withdrawal, what are you going to have in that bank that you deposited to be able to withdraw. And most people have keeping up with the Kardashians and and Tiger King. I hate to be brutal, but most people have some subset of that deposited in their bank account. And then they wonder why they don't have the motivation to wake up at 4.30 a.m. in the morning and go to the gym Mm -hmm. because you haven't filled your mind with the things that will encourage you. And, And then the spirit side is always, for me, is always like, what's the bigger purpose What's the, what are you actually living for? What's your, people might call it the why, like, what are you actually living for? Because of that, when your mind, even though it's full and you can't get the energy, your body maybe is healthy and you're still in bed and you don't want to get up. What you're living for will make that difference and, and change it and, and actually get you up. Mm-hmm. So that's where I always go back to. That was my little rant right there. <laughs> that's fantastic rant. Well, I think that, that was a good rant. That's a great rant. No, I think that transition us into kind of the next question, uh, John, which is like, we love asking people who come onto the show kind of what are your daily habits? What are some things that you do in your daily routine um, that have driven your success or driven your ability to be a better leader or be where you are now or maybe even become a martial arts Hall of Famer? What are some of the habits and routines that you've established? You know, I bookend my day, and this is something I learned from my dad. Uh, and, and as I've studied over the years, this is what the most successful people in the world do is they bookend their day. They carve out an hour in the beginning of their day and an hour at the end of their day. And within that hour period of time, they will initially read something for about 30 minutes that is either inspirational, educational, informational, or an autobiography of someone that they want to learn from. And then they will take another 10 to 15 minutes to think into and just spend some time journaling and making notes of what they read and how they can apply that in their life. And then they take the remaining 10 to 15 minutes of that one hour in the morning and they highlight all of the important things that they need to do for the day. And I like to use the Warren Buffett strategy is I write down all the things I need to do on the left-hand side of a column. And then on the right-hand side, I pick out the most three important things I need to do. Mm. And I tear that right side off and I focus my day on those three things. That's awesome. I know during the middle of the day, life's going to change. But if I set my day and I set my expectations early, that's fantastic. And then at the end of the day, I go through a very similar routine. I'll read for 20 to 30 minutes. I'll think into what did I learn from the morning reading and the afternoon reading that I applied? What challenges did I go through and did I handle those right or wrong? and evaluating and reflecting on my day. What did I do right? What could I do wrong? What could I do better? Where can I improve? And then I'll start the expectations of what are the most important things I need to be preparing my mind to do tomorrow. And I'll make a list of those before I go to bed. And then I get up the next day and I go through the very same routine. And as you begin to do that, you create this daily habit of creating this mindset of excellence in what you're doing because every day you're striving to become a better version of who you are 
and it helps you just get through the day and to tackle all the big rocks that are going to get in your way that you've either got to move or go around or go over to get to where you need to go. I love that. Do you, uh, do you do that on the weekends too? I do. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right there. That's discipline. Yeah. yeah. Because I have to admit, I don't, I don't wake up early on the weekends, like early, probably for some people like six, but not like the four, <laughs> four AM. I don't wake up early on the weekends. Mindset of excellence. I love that. I love that mindset yeah. of excellence. Tell us about the advice you would give younger John, like going back to high school, college, what would you tell that kid now? What advice would you give him? You know, if I were to look back to my younger self, uh, I would challenge myself to have begun to become a more diligent reader earlier in life. When I was about 14 years old, my dad gave me two books. One of those was Developing the Leader Within You by John Maxwell. The other book was Think and Grow Rich. And dad challenged me to read those books. Well, I got about halfway through Think and Grow Rich. And as a 14-year-old, I didn't get it. So I put the book down. And when I picked it up years later and I started reading, I'm like, oh my goodness, if I would have known then what I know now, Mm. how much further along would I be? And so I spend a lot of time today working with young people, challenging them to start learning to lead themselves well. And if I could go back to a younger version of myself, it would be that. Read, learn, discover the leader within you, discover and hone your gifts and talents because you're never too young to make a difference. You know, I have, a, I have six kids. My middle daughter is 21. She's already been to three countries because she has discovered early what I learned later on in life. And if I can do one thing at the end of my life, I want to equip my kids to see better success in leading themselves and leading others than what I did, learning from the mistakes I made so they don't have to repeat them, adding to the successes, but more importantly, learning what significance is all about. Because once you take significance, success is never going to really satisfy you any longer. That's awesome. That is great. John, before we close out, we've had, um, you said you have five black belts. What are they in? I have a black belt in uh, Shoran Ru, which is traditional Okinawan karate. I have a black belt in Japanese jiu-jitsu. I have a black belt in Kempo. I have a full instructor certification in Jeet Kune Do, and I have a full instructor certification in the Israeli art of Krav Maga. And then I also do Israeli <laughs> combat shooting. I'm going to hire you amazing. as our bodyguard, John, when the when State Paid Podcast blows <laughs> up to the charts. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, man. we'll get leadership advice while we're going and yeah. be protected from yeah. all the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is awesome. What, a, what an amazing journey. Thank you so much That's for coming awesome. on. Before we close out, uh, let people know how they can get a copy of your book, Black Belt Leadership 101, and how they can connect with you. Absolutely. They can go to Black Belt Leader. Dot com. Be a, I'm sorry, be a black belt leader.com is my website. They can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn, John Terry, the black belt leader. They can look me up there, but if they want to get access to my book, we also have a digital master class where I teach those lessons in 50 installments of videos and audio podcasts. They can download uh, workbooks and worksheets. They can work through that's also available on be a black belt leader.com. Awesome. Thanks again so much for coming here. We're going to have all of those links in our show notes. That is at staypaidpodcast.com. So head on over there for the show notes and the video of today's episode. If you're looking for ways to support the show, there's two ways that we ask you to do that. First way is to be like Dan Iles 112 from the top of the show. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and make sure to leave a comment. Let us know how we're doing. And the best way is to tell a friend about this podcast. Like John said, He'd wish he'd read that book at 14 that his dad gave him. You're going to wish 
that you had shared this podcast with a friend of yours <laughs> at some point because they're going to be in a position where they might be leading Great you. Time. And you're going like, you're a horrible leader. You got to listen to this podcast. <laughs> if you want to get hold of me or Lou, you can email us at podcast at remindermedia.com or you can find us at, on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Acre. And pick up that book, man. You can tell there's just a wealth of knowledge with John here. I love it. I encourage you to listen to the podcast again. You know, if you guys wonder like, how I go through and pick out the action item that I'm going to share at the end. It's really, I'm listening to the people and I'm just learning myself. And the one that resonates with me, I just go, man, that's the action item I want to give at the end. What was so great about this is when I asked you what you would go back and tell your younger self, you actually said the action item that I wanted to give everybody at the end, this idea of learn to lead yourself. And the action item for this podcast is, Pick up a book and be a diligent reader because leaders truly are readers and you will find that not only does it change all of a sudden your mindset, but you'll find just a million dollar idea in there that will pay dividends over your life. I've seen it happen in my own life. So become a diligent reader, pick up a book tomorrow. That's the action item for this podcast. Guys, remember the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single industry I've worked in. It's top producers take action. Take action on that today. 